Craft Beer Radio, episode 68, February 8th, 2007. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear. Hi, I'm Greg Weiss. Hi, Greg Weiss. Tonight we're going to be doing some extra special bitters. ESBs. A uh, style that's uh, near and dear to my heart. Not Today. quite as hoppy as... It's all about balance, really. It's not yeah. as hoppy as IPAs, but get good hop, good caramel malt in there. It's a delicious combination. Now, you know, as we're pouring the first beer, which is, I guess, Otter Creek, is that what we're going with? Uh, I don't really have an order picked out, unless you want to do the the de facto standard, the Fullers. Oh, yeah, okay, let's do the Fullers first, because that, like you say, is a de facto standard. The very first show we did in the SBs, we were like, ooh, it was way, way early in our Yeah, it was like four uh, or five, I think. And we said, ooh, bitter beers, bitter beers. And then we got an angry email from somebody saying, hey, ESBs are not bitter. You should look in the derivation of the name. So, I mean, he's right to a point. It's more bitter than Bud. Well, that's well. The name came from it was more bitter than you know, the other milds. Right. Stronger and more bitter than the other milds in the English pub. You know, the same kind of class of beers that were available at the time. But these are not especially bitter beers. No, I mean they're not American double yeah. IPA type bitter or anything like that, or American bastard type bitter. This is Fuller's ESB. It's 5.9% alcohol and brewed year-round from the Fuller Smith and Turner PLC in London, England. Oops, I didn't... You can look those up later. I didn't get the states for that one. You, oh. can, you can probably find it in yeah. most places. Probably every state, yeah. yeah. And actually, it's not going to be in the book. So what do we have here? Not really getting much of an aroma here. Maybe a little bit of malt. Yeah, I'm getting a pretty... Uh, Oh, almost ready now. I'm getting a little bit yeah, of uh, I'm getting a, a it's a sweet, it's a it's a caramel. There's it's not quite toasty, but there's a little bit of Maillard, you know, reaction going on uh-huh. in there. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh the color is kind of a, a mahogany, maybe a dark orange with about a finger's worth of head and it's very clear. Flavor on it. It comes across with mm. some nice um sweet maltiness. A little toffee-like. A little toffee, yes. Like toffee. Um, like I said, the name bitter is it's not particularly bitter, but the bitter balances out the flavor. The alcohol, Since the alcohol in this thing is 5.9%, it's not strong by the means of many of the beers we taste on the right. show, but it, it's moderately... You have five of these and you'll... You'll feel it. Yeah, it's moderately hot, moderate to moderately high, and you need more hops to balance that thing out. And yeah. Now, we should go about what the uh, BJCP says, and they have a whole new guide with slightly just published uh, today. Less, less wordy descriptions. So we'll go through ESB, and we'll even kind of make it small a little bit more. The ESB is a medium to strong hop aroma, flavor, and bitterness, and residual malt sweetness uh, should be there at the richly flavored, full-bodied bitter. Is what they say that should be more pronounced in other bitters, like a, a regular bitter or uh, the special bitter. These, there, there's kind of there's degrees of, of these bitters which are more bitter milds. Right. I mean, so you have you have a mild, and then you have a bitter, special bitter, extra special bitter. It's kind of like how those progress up the the chain. So these are going to be very flavorful, 
but relatively mild beers when compared to other styles. Uh, you should get mild carbonation, but in bottled versions, a slight increase in carbon uh, dioxide content is acceptable and uh, should get fruity ester character in aroma and flavor and diacetyl, which is, uh, excuse me, diacetyl, which is butterscotch or butter flavor. Is actually acceptable in this style. Right. And that's it, something I'd be curious about in the new guidelines. Almost every style, except for like one or two in the old guidelines, is like no diacetyl. And the first one we read here is uh, diacetyl is acceptable and characteristic when at very low levels. So I'm curious to see I if can someone else added. The text, I think that goes in, in the background of, of the initial toffee flavor you're getting. I think you, you do get some diacetyl, a little bit of that sort of buttery um, kind of. I don't know if, if uh, butterscotch or movie theater butter is a better way to put it because it's kind of it's kind of a cross between the two. Uh, there's also you know like like we say an, an English in this case an English hot bitterness at the end is kind of grassy, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit um, earthy, but Certainly. it's definitely a little bit of bitterness in the back of your tongue. That toffee aroma when you're getting ready to take a sip and you're breathing in, loving it. It's just very good aroma mm-hmm. on this thing. It's a really very very enjoyable beer, and you can see why it would be a standard for other against which others should be judged. Right, and it's one that you know almost everyone who's listening can get. So yeah. that's very good. So we should do a couple business things. I mean, first of all, you can always contact us at uh, beer at craftbeerradio dot com. Our message boards, lots yes. of conversations going on. on our message boards. The multi beer experiment is underway. It's not too late to join in. Just send me an email or. Send me an email telling me you want me to you want to participate in the multi brew experiment. There is a thread on the message board that describes the recipe. I updated it with the um, some more details and the recipe the the ingredients that I bought. It's fermenting away in the room back here. I'm using my new uh, heat well temperature sensor thermal blanket, so it's fermenting at a s- steady sixty eight degrees. So it'll be cool to see how if that you know changes the flavor or not, or having a nice consistent fermentation. I didn't participate in this brew, so. This is, right. this is all Jeff's baby. <clears throat> yep, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I um I dry hopped it yesterday on one of the um the basic brewing radio podcasts. He was talking to a brewer, I don't know who it was, a West Coast brewer that dry hops a lot. And he said to dry hop be while there's still some active primary fermentation because the actual chemical reactions help with the dry hop character or makes it different so i'm like oh, i'm gonna give that a try because normally i wouldn't dry hop until i put it in the secondary right but i got like three more days before i put it in the secondary last night i put some hops in and uh the recipe actually calls for a double dry hop so i'll dry hop it again when i move it to the secondary might be some interesting character going on so there. we'll see what we get from it yeah uh, i think march 16th is the goal for having your beer ready to ship so work backwards from there and see if yeah if you still, if it fits into your brew schedule the uh, for people who don't know what the multi brew is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're so disjointed here. The uh, the goal is everyone bottles a six pack, at least a six pack. They send me a six pack of their beer. I mix up all the bottles and send you back six beers, other beers, so you can, can try your beer against the same beer brewed by six different people. We'll do a show on Skype where we can talk about it, do a tasting all together. It was a lot of fun last time, so definitely was. We'll have to find a way to get. In. I have an idea for how we can do a conference call. Okay. That's a little bit easier than Skype. I think I have a way to do it that will okay. bypass all that nonsense. All right. Moving so, on. Uh, finishing up on this beer, we didn't mention the body. It's a, it's a medium body. It's not full, It's, it's a, but it's... Actually, when I first took a sip, it seemed lighter, but now it's tasting fuller as I'm getting into it. I can see that, yeah. I mean, it is fuller's. 
But um, another beer from Fuller's that's pretty highly ranked, which I've never had the opportunity to try, is the Fuller's London Pride. I'm meaning to get my hands on that one. Something we gotta try at some point. Our next beer is. Oh, I'm gonna go the full sale. Okay. This is the Full Sail Equinox, 5.7%, a winter release from Full Sail Brewing Company. They're in Hood River, Oregon, don't you know? They're available in Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Indiana, Minnesota, Montana, New Mexico, Nevada, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas, Washington, and Wyoming. Okay, I bought this bottle back from California from August, so hopefully it's not too old. Mm. Well, we're, going to, we're starting to see a little bit of that, um, what they say in the BGCPC guide is that uh, chill haze is acceptable at cold temperatures. We're going to see a little bit of a haze here as opposed to the fullers, which is very clear. Uh, but it's it's still kind of a orange, maybe a little bit lighter orange color, not quite as dark mahogany or slash, you know, orange reddish. The fullers is, is filtered, almost, you know, being a big brewery, it's almost definitely filtered. And the... Yeah, the uh, full sales bottle condition. Oh, okay. Well, that will also so. con- contribute to it being uh, somewhat hazy. This is their uh, Brewmaster Reserve 2006. So it's not... Luckily, it's a fresher beer from... Spring release, I think. So it's, it's a almost a year here. old. Oh, okay. So it's a w- almost a year old. So the smell, I'm getting uh, kind of not quite as, as much toffee, a little bit more bready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With hoppiness in the aroma, too. Okay. Much hoppier. Yeah. Uh, sort of more fruity hops, too, as opposed to the grassy hops of Fuller's. In fact, the hops are kind of taking center stage here, which mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's necessarily right for the style. Right. Well, you well know, I mean, it, medium to strong hop aroma, flavor, and bitterness. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is right for the style. It's just that we, it, compared to Fuller's, and you get a much stronger malt. It's definitely a good dichotomy yeah. between English and American styles. Hops in this are coming across differently. It's um, it's not straight like citrus fruit. Uh, it's tasting more like um, got anything there? I'm having. Well, I mean, I'm tasting the pithiness is kind of characteristic of West Coast hoppiness, uh, and that really is hitting me in kind of the the back edges of my tongue, the left and right side. And in terms of the actual flavor, like I said, it, it was kind of a, a, a fruity, kind of almost grapey. Yeah, yeah, maybe a grapey, a little bit of vinous type mm-hmm. out of this. Doesn't it? To me, it seems like it's coming across much stronger than the five point seven percent that it is. I think it's just the hops are kind of biting a little okay. bit stronger than we're expecting. Okay. Um, I mean, this is a very well hopped ESB, a well hopped mild. So it's kind of it's, it's an interesting. You know, it's kind of halfway to an IPA already. I want to talk a, a little bit more about the BJCP guide since it just came out. Um, some of the new styles that they added. There's American sour beer, right? Nice. I like. There's um. They added, you know, expanded the double category a little bit. There's a, an imperial double red. I was looking for like an oak barrel category because for the sour beer it says maybe Asian wood, but shouldn't pick up any flavor from spirits that were previously in the barrel, stuff like that. And shouldn't pick up too much oak flavor either. Um, but I, I didn't have enough time to read everyone. But well, I didn't an oak see. flavored sour would be kind of. Yeah. Well. There's there's some sour like uh, that well, one. I guess an Albrune is, Al is kind of that way. But. Yeah, but look at um, La Folie. That kind of had a bit of 
maybe not like Jack Daniels flavor like some Oak Age beers have, but right. it definitely had a barrel flavor to it. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, I definitely like the new descriptions. Much more concise. They have kvass I, in there. <laughs> no, no kvass. Uh, I, I'm much curious to see how reading these ones compare to uh, while you're judging versus the old one because the other one's broken into categories this one saves on the wordiness by saying flavor and aroma should be like this when they're the same and uh, it might be a little bit harder to get your head around what aspects you're looking at when you're actually judging and scoring your beer yeah but it's actually readable now it is readable it's much easier for you to figure out what you're supposed to be tasting well, we got a couple emails. Not a whole lot of emails this week. Uh, Sam sent in an email saying, uh, first of all, Cantillon Iris with pecan pie. Try it. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about food and beer. He also said mussels are Belgian and moulis frites are the quintessential Belgian meal. French fries, waffles, chocolate, and mussels. <laughs> wow. I'd try it. I'd uh, dig into that. Interesting combination. French fries and waffles are... Hmm. Uh, they're also, but I guess you know why is that? That I mean, because you have hash browns and waffles, why not French fries and waffles? Certainly. They're also into these weird little gray shrimp and special specialty spice cookies, but not together. Speaking of Usually. you know, cantonaires and pecan pie, I was at lunch with some uh, with my uh, team at work the other day, and uh, we went to a place that had a uh, salad bar buffet, and um, they had chili there, and someone got the idea of chili cheesecake. So he actually ordered a piece of cheesecake and tried chili cheesecake. I had a bite. It, it It's surprisingly not bad. It's not the best thing I've ever had, but... But that's not the same cheese you put on chili. I mean, that's cream cheese. I know. Ugh. I know. Chili cheesecake. When he first said it, you know, my brain heard chili cheese fries or something like that. I'm like, oh. And I'm like, wait a minute. He said cake. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I will tell you that... The best way to enjoy an, a really good piece of like chocolate cake or something is to get the best salt you can find and put a little bit of salt on it. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. Because it because what salt does it enhances it, it opens enhan- up your it really opens up your you know your taste buds. It, if if you do it in the right amount, it's not salty. It just it makes it so much more lively. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That and a little bit of cayenne pepper can really help some chocolate. Um, chocolate too. cake, huh? Oh. Yeah. Interesting combinations. But it's no chili cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> that and chocolate can also make a very interesting uh, thing to put in chili. This beer is really not as deep as the other one. No, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's kind of hoppy um, with a mild beer under it. So it's like. Imagine if it wasn't your old, how the hops would come across. Probably pretty strong. <laughs> I'm just happy that there's no signs of spoiling since, you know, I brought this back in California and we've just been on a real drought. We haven't come across too many ESBs to yeah. try. So it's been sitting around and it still tastes good and probably better being less hoppy than it was probably. when it's new because otherwise it would taste like a IPA or an amber or Which, something. Which, you know, frankly, a lot of West Coast beers kind of tend toward that angle. Yeah, you're probably right. More hoppery pressed Easterners. You want to do what beer am I? Yeah, I do. All righty. So last week's clue is I am an Imperial Oatmeal Stout. My I am made by a new brewery. My name is an acronym, and my mascot is Amphibious. And the answer is... 
It's Boris the Crusher Oatmeal Imperial Stout. B-O-R-I-S. I didn't write down what the acronym stood for. It's the boda- Bodaciously Outrageous... Is it Russian Imperial Stout, maybe? I'm not sure, but something along those lines. It's from Hoppin' Frog Brewery in Akron, Ohio. Hoppin' Frog. No, that's not too far. We might have to... It's, I think it's just a production microbrewery, mm. so it's not like any place to go. But that means they have to ship their beer, right? Yeah. At least in the area. So we might be able to get our hands on some some Hoppin' Frog. I've read about a little bit about their other beer. It seems like an interesting place. To check it out. So the winners were Brian Greenwood from Portland, Oregon. Tom Sold from New Jersey. Justin Dunlap from Quincy, Massachusetts. Andy, Andy Beaton from Los Angeles, where it was 87 degrees on a Super Bowl Sunday in California. You Steve Knutson from Gilbert, Iowa. Nicholas Decker from Columbus, Ohio. I was happy to see another dedicated microbrewery open in the Ohio, although I haven't been there yet, he says. Ben in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Rick from Big Foamy Head. Chris Washenberger. Darren from Mount Vernon, Ohio. He also said this beer is produced by a great guy named Fred Carm. I met him a while ago when he was brewing at Thirsty Dog Brewing Company. Cool. And, of course, Tom Schmidlin, the ineligible... Double winner. Number four. Number four. Andy Beaton from Los Angeles. Oh, man, he gets rewarded for it being 87 degrees on Sunday. Super on Sunday. But hey, you get a new glass. A specialty glass. A specialty pint glass. From East End Brewing Company. By a good friend. A good beer. Thank you, Scott, for donating the glasses. Intern Scott didn't get us a question this week, so I don't have a what beer am I, but we have a different game. It's the CBR Scavenger Hunt. So this week, we're going to ask you a little bit of a question. Now, we have Anderson Valley ESB right here. It's their boot ESB. Up until recently, it was called Belk's ESB. And we're curious why. Why did they change it? So if you find the answer, send us a a reason or a link to the reason. And uh, everyone who sends in the reason will be in the drawing for the pint glass next week. Send your emails to WBAI, what beer am I, on craftbeerradio.com. Not what beer am I, just WBAI. But it's, that's what it stands for, just right. so if, if you get confused. Absolutely. So a little bit different this week, the CBR scavenger hunt. Hmm. Okay, so that was very hoppy. Let's go on to, let's, let's do the, uh, the Belk's No Boont ESB right now. On their website, they say, same beer, same great beer, new name, or new name, same great beer, or something along those lines. New namer. Uh, this is 6.8% brewed year-round from the Anderson Valley Brewing Company in Boonville, California. And the B, in, it actually, ESB in this beer actually stands for extra special beer. <laughs> That's what they say. I don't make these things up. I do like Anderson Valley. I think they're one of one of my uh, go-to breweries. Them, uh, Great Lakes is a go-to brewery. Dogfish Head is a go-to brewery. And my, when I'm just confused as what to get, I'll jump on those. Okay, so first aroma. I'm smelling a very combination of like crazy hops and um, that phenol flavor, that kind of... Um, with some band-aid, some of that Band-Aid stuff. Maybe it's from the, the insane amount of hops. I'm not sure. You get any of that? Not That's smelling not... anything. I'm really not smelling a thing. Huh. Yeah, the aroma I'm getting is not all that great. It's a... Uh, it's a... I really need to nail down the smell more because it can't really be nail polish remover and Band-Aids, but that's kind of what I'm thinking it smells like. I'm literally not smelling anything. It, it smells empty to me. 
It has much the same flavor, too. Maybe it's just a hop cup. You know what? Actually, now I'm starting to get it. It tastes like um, some of those uh, high alpha hops. Maybe maybe Columbus or something like that. I wonder if they reformulate it. Oh, no, they said same beer. So they didn't. Refor- they probably didn't reformulate it. But it's it's a harsh hoppiness on this thing. And imbalance isn't the word on this beer, in my opinion. There, your, your tongue broke. There, there are no words. I, I can't taste anything. <laughs> I'm tasting bitterness at the end, but just taste watery, or I mean, just plain. No, it, I mean, okay. Now I'm starting to taste a little bit more. I, I was just tasting the last beer is all I was tasting. Okay, and I was like, what? <laughs> it's similar to the last beer. It, it, it's a little bit similar, but it was it was just so it was so similar that it felt like. I was just kind of I was throwing some water on <laughs> last beer, and I I I was just really in in a very interesting taste place right there. It's starting to come through a little bit more now. That that was weird. Yeah, in my opinion. This is um, way too hoppy, um, and the hops are too harsh for this kind of beer. Especially, you know, we lit it off with the Fullers. I think after leading it off with such a a good example, even even though it's made by a huge brewery, leading off with such a good example, it's it's hard for these um, other beers to to keep tra- keep pace. I think. Well, I'm trying to think if I agree with you or not. You like this? It's not as horrible for me as it is for you. I wouldn't say horrible. I mean, and if I was drinking, if I wanted to drink a series of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just high alpha hop beers with a lot of, lot of um, bitter flavor and um, harsh flavors. I mean, you know, there's a time and place for that, in my opinion. That I, you know, there's certain times like um, McConnor IPA. Yeah, it's like one of the epitomes of harsh hop flavors. And this is a little like not as bad as that, but it's in the ballpark. This is a very strong bitterness. Um, this actually really is a bitter beer. Uh, I it it kind of. It actually it feels it tastes to me like it has more malt than um, the full sale. Than the full sale, I, I taste more kind of a bready malt. Yeah, uh, below that, and then the hops really hit hard. Yeah, there, I mean, there's no balance though. I mean, if, there you, if you find the malt at all, you really have to hunt for it. You're right. There's not a lot of balance here. That is a, a strike against this beer because an ESB should be balanced. I mean, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for kind of mild, and you know there should be either malt or hops are going to take your center stage, but you're going to ha- you should have a little bit of the balance in between. I think the full sale really didn't have a lot of malt in it, but the hops were not as bitter at the same time. Uh, here you're getting you know less hot flavor maybe than the full sale, but a lot more bitterness, a lot of really strong kind of uh, um, biting bitterness. Not quite syrupy, but close. Uh, I would say there's more hop flavor than the full sale, in my opinion. It's it's less of the traditional citrusy you know Cascade Centennial hop. Um, but you're thinking like a high alpha, like really like, like Columbus, uh, you know something along those lines, where it's coming across is. Um, Actually, you know, I'm trying to think of analogies to um, what it tastes like. And you know how we always com- we compare things to color? Uh-huh. I'm going to compare this to the sense of touch. Okay. Okay. Have you, when I grew the hops last year, remember the hop leaves? How they were like kind of um, rough, almost like vel- like they had little fibers on them. So kind of right, like a Velcro yeah. thing. So they can climb up the... Right. So 
this beer, the flavor, reminds me of those fibers, that roughness on a hop vine or hop leaf. Okay, you know, I, I can see where you're going through it, and the, the Fuller's was kind of very, was smooth, right? It was like a like a baby's bottom or, or a marble. Sure. But, you know, it's weird. You know, now we've graduated to comparing flavors to touch now. Well, if I'm going to compare this to a color, this would be kind of a very harsh violet, right? Like a really bright <laughs> pink, whereas the Full Sail would kind of be like a, a deep orange, maybe. <laughs> and the ESB would kind of be a light brown. Hmm. <laughs> Speaking of strange things Speaking, having to do with beer. Okay. There is, oh, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, this segue, I was just thinking into a Wikipedia thing as well, so this yeah. is going to be an interesting segue. We, I forget exactly. Oh, yeah, I remember why. I was looking up ESBs as when Jeff told me, and I was thinking, you know, we got, we got stacked on that for saying they're bitter when they're not bitter. And I, then I remembered, oh, you remember that Keystone beer? They used to have that commercial never bitter, bitter beer, beer the bitter beer face. So I looked up Keystone on Wikipedia just for fun because there's not a lot of places you can find much more information about Keystone. And they said on Keystone on the whoever put the entry in for Keystone beer said it was a second, second chance beer from second Coors. chance beer. And there was no link to what a second chance beer was. And looking up the information, I couldn't find what the hell they meant by a second chance beer. Now they're kind of as, as from what I can tell, there are two opinions on what second chance beer is. One is it is kind of a colloquial term that means a, a, a beer that is even worse than 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 the big boys. Like you know, okay, it's uh, oh it's maybe so that's poor. what they mean. Maybe it's a uh, uh, for example, Iron City makes Iron City icy light, and then they make beers for other markets like Night Flight and stuff like that. <laughs> right. And it's actually pretty much the same recipe as Iron City. But lower gravity, watered down, if you will. Right. And so maybe that's what a second chance beer. It's it's uh, there's pre you know the you know there's the premium lager. Right. Then there's the right. So the stuff where you don't have as much quality control over it, you don't really care that much about it. Maybe that that's that makes more sense. Which makes it cheaper. The way that it was written, though, it made it sound like it was a beer made from the second runnings of cores. Right. The way because he said second chance beer in the second sentence. The way it was written sounded like it was a second runnings beer. So Greg and I had a little bit of conversation, and I'm running this through my head. I'm like, how could you take the second runnings of a Pilsner-style beer? Now let's define what a second runnings mean. Now you can get a second runnings just really like a barley wine. You get – basically when you make a high-gravity beer, you have some residual malt left over. You have a ton of grain. Right. Literally, when Scott makes his beer, he has a thousand – well, half ton of grain. He has a thousand pounds of grain in the mash tun. And he needs to stop the runoff at a certain point to keep the gravity of the brew kettle high enough, enough sugars in the brew kettle. When he's done brewing, there's enough residual sugars left in the mash tun. He can run another seven barrels of water through it and get high enough gravity wort to make a second beer out of it. Not a high gravity beer. You're talking about a session beer, 3%, maybe 4%, right? But Yeah, in most cases, it's a session style beer, low gravity. And so I thought, you know, this guy was saying that Keystone's a second runnings beer of some Coors beer. That doesn't make sense. When you found the no, other... Yeah, there's no high-gravity Coors beer that I can think of. Well, it's not just that. I'm like, do they brew Coors, you know, in high, you know, and then dilute it afterwards? But that would cause all kinds of problems with the style of the beer they're trying to make. It would darken it up faster. Right. It would mess with the... Actually, it may actually help the, the low, less uh, hop isomerization. But uh, I'm just like, it would just mess things up. So then I started wondering, to do a carbohydrate-reduced beer, a light beer, 
does they have to do something in the mash that leaves sugars in it? And I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense because any brewer that size is going to formulate the recipe to get near 100% efficiency on the mash. When they're done running out the mash done, there's nothing in there but cow food. You know, yeah. there's no sugars left. You know, that's because they got to get every penny out of that mash done. And making a second runnings beer isn't the, co- the most cost-efficient way to go. It's getting that sugar into the first beer. So second batch is probably kind of a, a, a term that's used as a, a neg- with a negative connotation. Saying, second chance. Second chance, right. Saying this is this is crap, and you're only going to get it if you really just can't afford cores. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, that's funny to me. I actually posted a, in the discussion, someone asked a question like, what the hell is a second chance beer? And I, I kind of posted what I just explained. But we should, we should go and add a comment about what you said about how it's a, a sub-premium beer. I wonder how the term second chance came about. My thing was that Jeff was like, he was talking about, well, maybe it has to do with, with combining water with beer to a certain stage. And I was thinking that that's kind of like making beer by putting grain alcohol, carbonated water, some malt, and some hops in a blender and turning it together and then pouring it out and saying, look, you got beer. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on to the Otter Creek ESB from Otter Creek Brewing. Otter Creek. Now, these are the same guys who do Wallivers, right? Yep. Uh, this is the alcohol by volume of not listed. So it could be 12, it could be 18, it could be 4. <laughs> I'm guessing it's somewhere in the 5 range. Uh, this is a spring release. It's from Otter Creek Brewing slash Wallivers or Wolvers or whatever you want to call it. Certified Organic Ales in Middlebury, Vermont. Otter Creek, if you want them, are available in Vermont, California, Oregon, Washington, Wisconsin, Illinois, Ohio, Missouri, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, North Carolina, South Carolina. Okay, so... This has a a more malty aroma. Not quite as engaging and as as toffee as as the... Fuller's, but I think we're back into that yeah, English kind of ESB aroma that, there, you know, which is which is good. I mean, this is again, this is an East Coast beer, so I would expect it to be a little bit less hoppy, even though they do kind of they have they, they do kind of send it out to to the West Coast. So, right, we'll see. So this pours a nice um, a darker orange brown, you know, nice uh, amber color, I suppose, right? Yeah. Darker amber. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm just I'm. Oh, you already tasted it. Yeah. Okay, so... Did they intentionally kind of dial down their beers? You know, I don't know if they intentionally do it. The brewer might think that's how you make good beer. I don't know who the brewer is. I don't know if he's... Because, you know, there's certain people that are... uh, It either depends how they got into brewing or how they're trained or whatnot. But some people think that... You know, this is as far as you need to take a beer. I was talking with Keith Cost at the Homebrew Club meeting about a certain uh, pro brewer in the area. Not Scott, of course. But uh, I'm like, why does he make beers like this? You know, why doesn't he take it up a notch? You know, homebrewers take it up a notch all the time. Why is he making these? Is he mandated to by, you know, the company or whatever? He's like, you know, some people just don't know how to make beer. I mean, they're they're very limited in their scope. They Well, I I know people who love Wallowers and love Otter Creek. This to me just tastes... Watery. It, it really tastes. It tastes a little watery. There's there's a nice caramel flavor to it. There, there's but good it's not flavor there, but it's bodied. dialed down. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know, it's it's like turning it from a seven to a four. And I'm still kind of. I mean, I don't need to, I don't need to turn it to a ten, but a seven is good. I like mm-hmm. it to be in a place where I can really you know. Well, it's get a C, some right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with you. It, it's not bad. It's just, it's not, it's underachieving. Yeah. Certainly. Like if a big brewer put out an NESP, you might expect something kind of like this. Right. It's just, it's actually, kinda, you know what? I'd expect something a little worse than this, actually. Yeah. So it's got, it, like you say, it's got the right flavor there. I mean, it, I think it, it, it's in the right direction. It's got a little bit of bitterness. It's got a good amount of maltiness. It's got the right balance. It's just, you know, it's it's like it's like turning on a, a really nice classical symphony, but turning down the volume really low. So you can you you can hear it, but you can't quite make it out over. Some Actually, I'll take back my last statement. I would expect something that tastes like this from a big brewer who's trying to do craft beer. Not they, worse than this. I think they can do this. Well. I mean, I think they would put out something this good under their craft label. I mean, I could see a Michelob or a Blue Moon that tastes like this, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Just, yeah, I mean, pump it up a bit. You know, hit it with a little bit more oomph. Yeah. Ben in Arlington, Virginia, right, Tess? And he says, I drank a Bell's Expedition the other day, and the overwhelming flavor I got was soy sauce. I got the beer from a pretty good store, and the guy told me that it, it arrived the day before. Is the soy sauce taste an off flavor? Did you ever get that in uh, Russian Imperial Stout in general or in the Expedition? Ben, I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the Bell's Expedition Stout is my favorite Russian Imperial Stout. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a but here. It needs at least a year on it before it gets... two butts here. Yeah. <laughs> it needs at least a year before it is at its best. Uh, sometimes more. I mean, it can be okay, great fresh, but you put two years on that thing, and it is a dream. Uh, you know, if I was drinking beers straight from the brewery, it probably wouldn't rank as my favorite Russian Imperial style. What would? Fresh? Uh, uh, right now? I, I gotta was, tell you, I thought that uh, uh, Brooklyn's Black that's Chocolate. That, that's what I'm, I had it on draft you know, like a couple weeks ago we talked about, and it was tremendous, and it was fresh. I had an old Rasputin on tap around the same time. wasn't quite as good. So... Uh, Keith mentioned he didn't like all the esters in that one. But, yeah, fresh. Uh, that one was really good. Uh, back to the soy sauce question. Uh, soy sauce is a flavor you can get in, I guess, some Russian Imperial Stouts. I tend to taste it more in um, uh, Russian Imperial Stouts that are more along the Baltic-type flavor. Like, um, oh, we're drawing a blank now. How and how do I describe like what I call my what a Baltic flavor? Baltic porters are you know they're notorious for this flavor. It's it's raisiny, it's um, a little bit tinny tasting, and uh, you know sometimes that comes across as a bit soy sauce too. I wouldn't really say it's an off flavor. Um, then again, you know when I've said this many times, my favorite Russian imperial stout has a notable. Alcohol warming flavor. See, when I think soy sauce, I mean, it's a very, very specific flavor. It's a salty. fermented soybean flavor, which is, okay. it's beyond just salty. I mean, to me, it's, um, well, I mean, there's no other way to describe it except for it's fermented soybeans. It's, it's, I mean, it's miso. It's it's that sort of um, strong, somewhat acidic, and, uh, and really... <sighs> It is so somewhat earthy with a little with a small amount of vinous fruitiness character okay. to it. That's a good way to put um, it. Yeah. 
I, I really can you think of any uh, Russian Imperial styles that no, taste really? Soy I, I can't saucy? think of anything where I've actually detected soy. Now, if you're detecting maybe some kind of saltiness or some kind of bitterness that you associate with salt in some of them, I would think that a hoppier Imperial Stout might bring some of that with you because you're associating first of all, soy sauce is dark. Here's mm-hmm. a dark beer, so you're getting the caramel, getting, and the hops, and the bitterness. Yeah, you're getting some bitterness, the kind of bitter, same similar sort of bitterness, not quite the same, but I mean, the saltiness is, is a factor in there. Um, even though there's really there's not a whole lot of salt in beer, right? I mean, it's it's there, but it's not to, to yeah, it's not an additive in any beers right. that I'm, I'm aware of. Uh, it's yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't it doesn't hit me the same way. I never really, I don't think I've ever tasted soy sauce in an imperial stout. But to each their own. Everyone has different taste buds. Yeah, uh, you know, Ben, I, I you know. I would just say try some others. And since you can get uh, Bells in Virginia now, since they're out of, since they've just expanded into the area, buy a, a six or a couple bottles and and put it away for a year or two. Yeah, if you because that's that's when that beer's at its best, in my opinion. Uh, John Jensen uh, sent us word on Harpoon Brewery's next hundred barrel batch. Um, eight, session eighteen is. Ooh, geez, how do we say that? Uh, Refindinge. Private, Private stock. stock. It's a Danish farmhouse ale. Oh yeah, <laughs> it should be very interesting. Uh, lots of lots of that wild type character. It's not going to be a sour beer per se, but you're going to get some funk and get some of that great complexity. If that they do it right, and I trust that Harpoon would do it right. So yeah, their their hundred barrel series is a pretty renowned um, and pretty interesting. So keep on. We don't get them here. The hundred barrel series. I haven't seen any on the shelves here. We had the oatmeal stout that someone sent us, but that's the only one I've had the opportunity to try. Right. Benjamin Scott to give us actually. Can we go back here. He says there's, he gave us some background about Hundred Barrel series and, um, and this, the brewmaster. Is, he didn't. I mean, El, El Merci uh, worked with John from the Refinzinge brewery to create a style that they enjoyed while on a trip a few years ago so he collaborated with you know a danish brewer to make this beer so that's pretty interesting benjamin scott wrote uh, a little side note for us he says he's at the wine coop which uh, he says is a crap hole in the middle of a crap hole a little while back and then i said tom schmoon's name is not on the beer drinker of the year plaque what's up with that I, I think we need to get a petition to get them to update their plaque faster. Yeah, seriously, guys. Tom he asked should... if the title was unofficial or something. No, Tom won it. Tom won. They just haven't got the plaque updated. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Tom. Not only did Tom win Beer Drink of the Year, but he also won What Beer Much Twice. That deserves to get two <laughs> yes. plaques. I, we need a plaque here on the wall. Two-time <laughs> What Beer Am I Drinkers, and Tom Schmidlin will be on that one, too. Congratulations, Tom. Congratulations, Tom. A, a moment for Tom. <laughs> There you go. Uh, speaking of uh, the Denver area, it does look like Greg and I will be at the, the Great American Beer Festival. Someone suggested we have some get-togethers. We have sure. a CBR get-together. Um, we might want to parlay that into like a, a beer advocate get-together or something like that. I'm not sure if you know six geeks sitting at a bar by themselves saying, <laughs> "Yeah, I love you," you know, because you guys are so cool. Is what I want to, you know. I, I, well, I mean, we can. Or maybe we can combine it with a couple with other beer show that'll be in here. Like maybe we can do it with the beer yeah, report. Yeah, definitely. I think that if we can hang out with some of the beer podcasts, there's going to be so much to do. Um, I just read on the Beer Advocate site they're they're instead of getting a booth this year, they're going to do a lot more of um, around the event tastings and and parties and stuff like that. 
So that would be cool to uh, kind of cling on to. But, you know, definitely don't want to miss, you know, Groucho and Chud and all those guys out yeah, there. That would be fun. So we can get a fist fight with them. Our <laughs> or we can make parodies of other beer podcasts. That's, oh, my God. It's, it's one or the other, really. <laughs> so, so that could make it bad. Uh, our very last beer, our very final, final beer of the night is the Boulder 25th Anniversary. Great American Beer Festival. From Boulder Brewing Company in Boulder, Colorado. This is the one that was made for the Great American Beer Festival, for the 25th anniversary of the Great American Beer Festival. This is an ESB. It is kind of orangey in its color. It has about two fingers worth of head. And it smells vaguely hoppy with a slight malt undertone. Slight? I mean, this one is the second most maltiest so far, in my opinion. Um. Yeah. Well, no. There comes the there comes the uh, the citrus hop aroma as well. But my first aroma was more of a caramel toffee type. Not really toffee, but more caramel type malt. Let's see here. I have to wait a little bit longer. I poured with the bigger head. Yep, that's right. That's right. That's how you do an ESP. Okay. I gotta get wait for my head to go down. <laughs> go down. Go down. To me, it, it's Damn got it. it's got bitterness, but it's got maltiness. It's got the right combination. They're kind of fighting each other for prominence, which is kind of what I want. Um, not as much toffee as the Fuller's. No, they're not the same kind of malt to the same scale. And the Fuller's, I think, is still you know. It, we're going to give away our rankings right now. I think the Fuller's is our number one. The Fuller's had so much toffee and yeah. caramel to it that it's just such a good um, good mix of flavors. Yeah, I mean, this is this is right. I mean, this is, you know, if you're going to, if you're not going to give that kind of love to the malt, which, I mean, ES, I'm sure it took a long time for Fuller's to get to that level. Sure. This is this is the right way to do it. You You, you give these two dichotomies, these two, this malt and this hops and you hit them against each other and you say you're going to try to fight for dominance but we're going to keep the alcohol relatively low this is what um not listed but i'm guessing around six percent and we're going to at the same time not kill anybody's taste buds while we're doing it right well done really well done and a a good uh a good celebration of the great american beer fest i think no certainly i i remember having this on draft you know before the beer fest when it first came to town and it seemed rather hoppy to me. I didn't know it was an ESB, so maybe I was thinking of the wrong mindset. You know, sometimes that can really throw what you think you're tasting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this certainly seems nice. Um, not as toffee-like. That's something I like to see more. Tastes more of just a, um, you know, a lot of two-row type flavor with a little bit of caramel, but not very much. Not nearly as much as the Fuller's. I think the color represents that. Wasn't the Fuller's a lot more of a, a brown? Yeah, it was much closer to the brown, definitely. And, uh, yeah, the hops in here are interesting because sometimes the aroma blasts you with some citrus. Other times it's more subdued. But the flavor is where it's important is it's it's not overreaching. I think the lesson here is that if you really want to impress us with an ESB, hit us with more malt than what, than, than, than what you're typically going to do. If you're going to call it an ESB, how can you really make a hop bomb, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, because there's plenty of other styles that are that are good for hops. And this one is is one of those that hops are important to make bitterness, but you're also trying to accentuate some of your malt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, I think that 
and we've talked about this before plenty of times, but malt can be somewhat underplayed in the beer world. You know, it um, really I'm, deserves more of a starting stage. I haven't done a lot of all-grain brewing, but I think to get the right mouthfeel in this beer, it's really important your mash temperatures. You know, you have to get it just right where you have enough unfermentable sugars to get that body, that smooth mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, you know, these other guys, it's just a drier beer. There's not as much mouthfeel to them, too. I think that's a big thing that helped the, the Fullers just have that full, sweet, round flavor. Sure. Definitely. So uh, you want to give these things some official rankings? Yeah, I will go uh, and start with mine, I guess, first. Well, number one, like we said, Fullers wins just because... Big, you know, conglomeration, importer, but... It's like Francis Conner. Yeah. They make a really good beer. It's the standard by which all of them are judged, and I mean, it really, it, it really gave us exactly what we wanted. It, it, it both, it, it, it really did, and so because of that, it gets the number one. I think for me and from you both. Number two, well, um, which I actually messed this up. Can I see this for, <laughs> for a second? I messed this up here. This is there we go. Number two is this Boulder twenty fifth anniversary. This Boulder one. Yeah, it really, uh, really struck me. Like you, is that is that yours? Um, I these three, I'm kind of okay. Because like, that's mine right there. Okay. <laughs> you got it in a row. Um, my number two is the Baller 25th anniversary. We just talked about it, and you know exactly what we said about it. So there's no need to go on. Uh, number three, the full sale. Uh, it's hoppy, yeah, but for some reason it just kind of struck me as a little bit better, a little bit, a little bit more balanced. Like I said, I mean the hops were there, but it didn't strike me as quite so much a hop bomb as necessarily uh, the last number five on my list, which was the Harrison Valley. But number four was Otter Creek. I just I felt kind of like you. I was kind of like the the Anderson Valley was. I don't know the, the es the Otter Creek and the Anderson Valley are kind of in between on my. I'm not sure whether to put right. one four, whether to sure. put one five, because the Otter Creek was kind of like it was good but dialed down, and the uh, Anderson Valley was just it wasn't quite where it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And how do you compare both those? I don't know, but I'm going to put Otter Creek number four and uh, Anderson Valley number five. Okay, so mine is Fuller's number one, Boulder number two. I'm having trouble with the last, with this next pairing. I don't know whether to put the full sale or the Otter Creek ahead. The Otter Creek was exactly the flavors I wanted in the ESB, but half of the intensity that right, I wanted. Right. So, how much credit do I give it for getting the formula or the the flavors right? Enough caramel, not too much hops, but not having enough of it. Versus the full sale, which I thought was too hoppy, not enough malt. But still good. Mm, it's a really tough one there. It is. I'm going to put the Anderson Valley last because that harsh hop flavor that I was getting, I just don't think there's a place for it in this style. And this could be very funny because I think we might have done Anderson Valley last DSB show, and like in show it. number five. And I think we did love it. Well, I mean, our tastes have evolved. I absolutely. I, I absolutely believe our tastes have evolved. And I think that... Uh, that we have much more of a taste for these things, although I, I do think Keith, Keith was a little bit schooling us last time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got some good feedback that uh, you know people like Keith and they want to see him back. You know, not all the time, but yeah, a regular recurring a cameo appearance of Keith. I, I have no problem with that. I love Keith on the show, and uh, Keith's a really good guy. But uh, yeah, I mean, our tastes are still evolving, but I think that we're a lot more. Back when we started the show, we were major hopheads, and that's what we wanted. Mm-hmm. And right. now we are major beer heads, and what we really want is to see 
the the different styles express themselves as best they can. See, I, I really can't pick between the full sale and the ESB. I'm going to flip a coin, and I guess I'll give the full sale a slight edge. So Greg and I have the same rankings. Not not because not to do it just because Greg and I have the same rankings, but that's how it turns out. Flip an imaginary coin. Well, that is our show. What are we doing next week? Any plans we don't know yet? Um, well, the long shot. We got the long shot over there. Do we want to? There's only three beers. Do you want to taste those in the post show during the lost conversation? <laughs> I don't know if I can taste all of those. Um, try at least one of them. Okay, so we might do those. Um, we got some. Uh, we got some more barley ones. We got some imperial stouts. I wanted to kill these before they got old, so that's why we threw an ESB show in the middle of winter. But we're probably going to go back to some heavier winter-style beers for the rest of February. So thank you very much for listening. Send us an email, beer at craftbeerradio.com. And participate in the conversations on the website, craftbeerradio.com. The form has been a little bit adjusted now, so it's a little bit easier to use. Thank you, Greg, for uh, figuring out how to set the order. I I didn't realize it was manageable from the uh, admin section. I thought I was going to go in the code and fix that. So that's all, and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, go on dig.com and give us a link. Even dig though, us, baby. You know, the 12 digs that we have really aren't going to make much of a difference. <laughs> yes, please dig, everybody. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information.